Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. I hope you are enjoying uh, this series, Good News for Everyday Life, where we're looking at and asking, how does the gospel, the good news of what God has done in sending his son for us, impact some elements of our day-to-day living? And I can tell you, it was very hard to pick just five topics to talk about in this series, because the gospel impacts pretty much every area of day-to-day life. And because of that, you might be quite surprised that today's topic made the cut. Today, we're going to talk about friendship. And friendship may not have been in your top five areas of daily life to talk about how the gospel impacts, but I think it's a really good topic for us to talk about. It might surprise some of us because we live in a culture which has often quite a low view of friendship, and I think many of us come to kind of share that view. We can easily see friendship as a luxury. It's kind of be nice to have, but we can't really fit it in, we can't really do it properly, or we just see it as an optional extra. It's okay for some people. People who want it, they can have it. But maybe we think for us it's not really necessary. But friendship isn't just a luxury. A friendship isn't an optional extra. Actually, friendship is vital to human flourishing. It's actually even vital to human health. And increasingly, we're seeing this and coming to recognize this because we're learning more and more about the devastating impacts of loneliness. Loneliness in the last few years has come to be recognized as one of the biggest health crises and problems facing us in the Western world. We here in the UK now have a minister for loneliness. The government has a strategy to tackle loneliness, and that's because they realize how serious and how dangerous loneliness is. We now know that loneliness is worse for your health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's worse for your health than being obese, and loneliness can increase someone's chance of death by 29%. And of course, this year, with the pandemic, with lockdown measures, friendship has become harder, and loneliness, sadly, has increased. A quarter of adults in Britain say they've often been lonely over this pandemic season. And you might have seen the news recently, since the clocks changed just a few weeks ago, loneliness in Britain has kind of rocketed up, and 4.2 million people say they are acutely lonely. That means they're always or often experiencing loneliness. And interestingly, that particular study found that was most common among 16 to 29-year-olds. And lots of loneliness research at the moment is showing that whereas we tend to think loneliness is just a problem among older population, actually it's teenagers and 20s who are most likely to experience loneliness in our kind of Western individualized countries. Loneliness is a dangerous and a growing problem, but friendship is the perfect antidote to loneliness. Loneliness is about a, a lack of connection Well, friendship, true friendship, is about deep, deep connection. Friendship, then, is vital to human flourishing. And so it's not surprising that, as we're going to see, the Bible has a very high view of friendship. And all of us need a few deep, meaningful friendships. But it's worth, at this point, just noting a a helpful link between the topics of friendship and the topic of singleness. Because next week, Sam's going to talk to us about how the gospel impacts marriage, helping us to understand what the Bible says about that. Well, actually, what the gospel says about friendship is a big part of what it says about singleness, so how it impacts singleness. The Bible says that both marriage and singleness are good gifts. In fact, Paul seems to imply in 1 Corinthians 7 that singleness in many ways is actually better than marriage as a good gift from God. And yet, if we're honest, that's very rarely how any of us think about singleness. We don't tend to think of it as a good gift better than marriage. And we should ask, well, why is that? I think often it's because we assume singleness means loneliness. It means isolation. It means not experiencing family. But none of that is true. 
or at least none of that needs to be true if actually we live out what the Bible says about friendship. So what the Bible says about deep, meaningful friendships is part of what makes singleness plausible and possible and helps us to experience it as the good gift that God says it is. And so this topic today is relevant to everyone. You know, married people need close friends as well, and often that's actually overlooked. But it's also a great companion to what Sam will talk about next week, as friendship helps us think a bit about singleness, and next week Sam will help us think about marriage. So our key question is, how does the gospel impact friendship? And I think there are two ways. I think the gospel raises our view of friendship, and also the gospel helps us in friendship. And just before I unpack that, let me recommend to you two books that have really blessed and helped me on this topic. The first one is by a guy called Drew Hunter. It's called Made for Friendship, The Relationship That Halves Our Sorrows and Doubles Our Joys, published by Crossway in 2018. This is one of the best books I've read this year, and this has been a good year for reading because of lockdown. Drew Hunter helps us understand the friendship that Jesus invites us into and how that is a model for all of our friendships and how we can be proactive in developing deep friendships. So really helpful, really encouraging book. The next one is a bit shorter if you want a bite-sized treatment of friendship. What about Vaughan Roberts' True Friendship Walking Shoulder to Shoulder, published by 10 Publishing? This is a little book that looks at some of the Proverbs, the wisdom sayings in the Old Testament. And Proverbs is sometimes uh, described as a book of friendship because it has so much to say about this topic. And Ron Roberts looks at a few of those and gives us some real wisdom for how we can develop true friendships. Both of those I commend to you as great books to read on this subject. So how does the gospel impact friendship? Well, number one is the gospel raises our view of friendship. And it does that because friendship actually is at the very heart of the gospel. The gospel story, in fact, the whole of history's story is a story of a friendship broken and then a friendship restored. The Bible starts with a friendship between God and humans, God and Adam and Eve, the first two humans. God, we see in Genesis 1 and 2, used to walk with them in the cool of the day. There's this incredible intimacy, this incredible connection in this friendship they enjoyed with God. But like all friendships, that friendship came with responsibilities. And we all recognize that friendships come with responsibilities. That's why we say things like, I can't believe he did that to me. I thought he was my friend. We know that friendship and responsibility come together. But Adam and Eve and this friendship fail in their responsibility, their responsibility to be obedient to God, to trust him. And they listen to the serpent rather than listening to God. They eat from the one tree that God told them they shouldn't eat from. Basically, they think our way will make us more happy than God's way will. And in that moment, everything gets shattered and broken, including their friendship with God. And they and we as humanity are separated from God in that moment. And if you read through the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, you'll see individuals who have something a little bit like the friendship that Adam and Eve had with God. People like Noah, uh, Abraham, Moses, David. But what you never find is all of God's people having that intimate friendship that he wants us as humans to have with him. And that's why Jesus comes. We turn into the New Testament and Jesus comes to restore us to friendship with God. And he makes that possible. And he himself talks in this way. In John's Gospel, John 15, we're going to have a look at. John's Gospel is one of these accounts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And he himself, on the night before he's crucified, Jesus talks about what he's doing in terms of friendship. Let's just read what he says from John 15, 12. 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus says here, he's come so that his followers, those he's talking to back then, but us also are followers of him today, can be his friends. He says previously the people of God were, were known as servants. They were more like servants. He's talking about that different relationship that the Old Testament people had with God. Those few who had that friendship, Moses, Abraham, David, but actually most, it was more like a, a servant relationship or what we might conceive of as an employee kind of relationship. But now, he says, now the invitation is to become friends with Jesus. And the distinguishing mark of that, he says, is that he is letting his followers know what his father is doing. There's an openness, a, a, a connection, an intimacy, a, an honesty, I guess, in this friendship. He's saying there's a contrast. It used to be like people were kind of like employees, but now we actually get to be friends. You see, the wonderful truth is God wants us to be restored to relationship with him. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to. And what through his death and his resurrection, he makes possible for us. And notice he actually intimates that in this passage. He says the greatest love is that someone laid down his life for his friends. He knows what's coming. He knows that the next day he'll hang on a Roman cross dying for the sake of his friends. He's telling us that actually his death on the cross is the greatest possible act of friendship. Jesus' death on the cross for us was a powerful demonstration of the love of friendship. So the gospel raises our view of friendship because the gospel is about friendship. It's right at the heart of the gospel story of history's very story. And that means for us as Christians, we should value friendship as important and make it important in our lives. That's the first thing the gospel does. It raises our view of friendship. But also the gospel helps us then to kind of put that into practice, to live out these kind of friendships. It does that in lots of different ways, but I want to highlight just two to us this morning. The first is that the gospel helps us to prioritize friendship. These kind of deep, meaningful friendships we're talking about take time. We have to be deliberate about investing into them, giving ourselves to them, and sadly, many of us and many people in the Western world today don't have these kind of friendships just because we don't prioritize them. We don't give time to them. And so the good question to ask ourselves is, well, then what do we give our time to? What takes up our time that we can't give time to friendship? Because often the gospel will challenge our priorities and the way we're using our time. For some of us, the answer to a why can't we fit in friendship is just because we're just generally too busy. Life is just too full, too full on, too busy. There's too much else. And I think there it's good to stop and ask, well, why? Why are we busy? If we find ourselves too busy for friendship, we should ask ourselves, why am I this busy? Because for a vast majority of us, any busyness we experience isn't necessary for survival. For most of us, our busyness isn't caused by needing to work every hour under the sun to provide for ourselves and any dependence and to look after people. Actually, often in our world, busyness is driven by things like a desire for success. Uh, maybe that's driven by a desire for prestige and respect and a certain status, maybe, in society. Sometimes busyness is about just earning more money, getting more stuff, kind of accumulating things to ourselves. 
Well, business can be about wanting to be in control and a fear that if we stop, if we're not in control, what might actually happen? But the gospel comes in and it tackles these very roots of busyness, which can then free us for friendship. The gospel tells us we don't need to seek worldly success or status. Because actually we have a Father in heaven, the only one whose opinion really matters, who delights over us, who loves us, and who has adopted us as his children. We already have the greatest status we could ever have, being the children of God. Therefore, we don't need to drive ourselves into the ground in business to try and achieve an earthly, worldly status. The gospel helps us see we don't need to be busy to accumulate more stuff and more money and possessions. The gospel helps us see, as Martin so helpfully and wonderfully challenged us last week, the gospel tells us our possessions, our money, our stuff aren't actually where happiness comes from, aren't actually where satisfaction comes from. True happiness comes from connecting, not from having, from connecting with God and connecting with others. The gospel helps us to think about our priorities there. And if we're busy because we feel we need to be in control, we feel the world is going to fall apart, everything's going to go wrong if I actually stop, the gospel reminds us God is in control and he's our loving father who promises that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him. We don't have to be in control and keep the world spinning because our heavenly father is the one who is doing that. The gospel helps us to examine busyness which can push out friendship and to find and make time for it. For some of us, friendship just doesn't have time in our life, actually, if we're honest, because of a bit of a kind of selfish laziness. We live in a culture which is very focused on personal gratification, i.e. making me happy. I'm number one, and I think about myself, what's going to be good for me, and I put myself first. And often what happens is we think we're putting ourselves first to try and make ourselves happy is we withdraw from other people. We move away, often for many of us in our culture, it means we spend hours and hours in front of a screen rather than connecting with people. But the gospel tells us that true life is found not in putting ourselves first, but putting others first, in laying down our lives for others. That's what Jesus demonstrates as the model that we're to follow, a life of self-sacrifice. Jesus says we die to ourselves in order to find true life. Human happiness actually comes from putting other people first. And that, of course, is exactly what we do in friendship. Friendship is about saying, I'm committing myself to loving you and caring for you and doing good for you, and how can I be the best friend to you that I can? And of course, the beautiful thing is it's meant to be two-way, and so everyone wins, everyone benefits from that. This challenges us that friendship is not just about what we can get out of it, it's actually also about what we have to give to other people. And so if you don't find it possible to prioritize friendship, you're not the only one actually who misses out. There are people who can be your friends, can receive your friendship, who also miss out at the same time. The gospel challenges us in our priorities and where friendship fits. That's one way the gospel helps us in friendship. Another one is the gospel helps us to form deep connections, what friendship is really about. Because deep connections only really come when you are open and honest and real with people, when we can kind of open our, 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 our deepest selves to people. Jesus, I think, indicates that in John 15. Do you notice, what's the difference between the servant and the friend? The friend knows what God the Father is doing. Jesus is saying friendship is kind of characterized by openness and honesty. And many of us in our culture don't have deep, meaningful friendships because we're just not prepared to be open. Sometimes deliberately, what will people think of me if they know what I'm really like, if they know my hurts, my weaknesses, my sin? Sometimes it's actually kind of subconscious. We don't even realize. We just don't let people know the real us. 
but we'll never foster close friendships if we don't do that. And that's very hard for us to do in our culture because we're a culture that doesn't like to show weakness. I've been observing this in the last few weeks in I'm a Celebrity to Get Me Out of Here. I have to confess, I am a fan. And what's really interesting is often the, uh, the campmates or castlemates, I guess now, uh, experience homesickness and they miss their family and they're in difficult living conditions. They're hungry, they're tired. Many of them have low days, they have tearful times. And often when they do, they beat themselves up about it. They seem to feel a real sense of shame. There was a striking example this week where Ruthie Henshaw, an actor from the West End stage, just was having a, a low moment, a low day, a bit tearful, and was really beating herself up for it, saying how much she thought she was a tough cookie, and there's this kind of sense coming across that she feels ashamed, she feels she's failing. We live in a culture where we don't like to be honest, actually, and to show any weakness. But the gospel helps us to be honest, frees us to even talk about our weaknesses. The gospel tells us we're already known completely, and yet we're loved totally. It tells us that God knows every part of us, probably even better than we do, and yet he still uh, loves us more than we could ever imagine if we are in Christ, if we are a follower of Jesus. And as Christians, we're called to love each other with the love that God has loved us, that same kind of fully accepting, embracing love that we can know each other's weaknesses, but there's no shame in that. We love with the love with which God loves us. We can be honest about weaknesses, about hurts, even about sins, and not be afraid, actually, because we know we are loved. We know it is a safe place to do so because of the gospel. And actually, those things, you know, weaknesses, hurts, sins, are the places it's most important for us to be open with other people because they're the places we most need support. We most need love and encouragement and help from other people. And of course, the reality is we can only have this sort of level of openness with a small number of people. But that's okay. You know, it's okay and good to have lots of kind of broader uh, networks of friends, of kind of acquaintances, or of contacts. That's good, and they're, they're good, purposeful relationships. But all of us need a few of these close, meaningful, uh, more intimate, open, honest relationships. And the gospel wonderfully, wonderfully frees us to pursue that. So I think... Close friendships are vital to flourishing in human life the way God has made us and he's made us to need. And actually, they've kind of been lost in modern culture. But we as Christians should be, we can be because of the gospel at the forefront of reclaiming that. And this current experience of the pandemic, it increases our need for friendship. But let's be honest, it also makes it harder to do. But let me encourage you, even though it's hard, let's be proactive in pursuing friendship. Let's prioritize. If you want to connect with people in the church, you don't know where to get started, join a connect group as a way to meet some people and then go from there. Be proactive in prioritizing friendship. Be proactive in being open. And if you want to develop better friendships, the best thing you can do is to seek to be a better friend. Think how you can play your part. And the gospel helps us to do that. And the gospel also helps us as we kind of raise our sights and we think on and reflect on and give thanks for the wonderful friendship that we have been invited into with Jesus. That he loved us so much, he came to enact the perfect example and illustration of the love of friendship by dying on the cross for us so we could be restored to friendship with God. And that's how we're going to respond today. We're going to think on what Jesus has done for us the friendship he invites us to. We're going to take the bread and wine and Paul will help us and lead us that in that in just a moment as a chance to reflect on this, to give thanks. And let me encourage you in this. Think on that and also think on how are you going to commit yourself to friendship with others.